So we're coming off of the Sermon on the Mount, and Austin, quiet your child. No, I'm just kidding. And now we're, oh, oh, did you just hand it? No, never mind. We're now going into the gift exchange, and it really transfers pretty well. We're going to be talking about exchanging things. So I don't know about you, but the only gift exchanging I like to do are the white elephant gifts. You ever know what a white elephant gift is? So I don't like the ones where they say spend 10 bucks or 15 bucks, because then you just have to overthink things, and you might get something that someone doesn't like, and then you don't want them to get you something that costs 150 bucks, and you follow the rules and spend 15 bucks and feel awkward. Uh, I like the white elephant gifts where you get some of the weirdest stuff that's free from in your shed and decorate it all up and give to someone. So those are the kind of gift exchanges I like. But this gift exchange, we're going to be talking about what we are going to give God and what he has promised to give us in return. So another way to think of it is going back to our pump analogy that all that we have to prime the pump is not always pretty water. But we're just going to pour it in to the wellhead and start pumping. It requires effort on our part. It requires faith on our part. It requires trust on our part. But we are exchanging something. And this morning, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're not going to have it up front. We're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way. And for some of you now, that's getting on your app. I don't know if that's... <laughs> but for this more old-fashioned, just open your Bible up to 1 Peter chapter 5. Many of you might be aware that Peter is a pillar, one of the pillars of the church. He's one of the original disciples, and he is uh, one of the disciples that I can relate with in a deep way because he was so flawed. And so he opens up this book in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, so he's acknowledging sort of, I don't think this is just a position. I think he's, he's maturing, and he said, as a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. You see that future-looking Peter? He suffered with Christ in the past. He's probably going to suffer, he is going to suffer in his future, and then ultimately, he's going to look ahead Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you to, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves. Now listen to this, he's, he, He's telling you how to do this. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we see here that first off, just what I want to point out in this this text, it says in verse eight, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, I don't know about you, but if I am in an area that is, that is infested, so to speak, with lions, I'm not gonna go camping there. First point, okay? Just saying. I am not gonna go tent camping or hammock camping to be a cat toy. I am not gonna do that. But I want you to look at someone who did do that. So there's two tents here. I think the, father, the father's on the right side and the, I think there's kids on the left. the door is. All right, so it goes on, no one was harmed, but the lion goes to Paul on the tent, and you can hear the father trying to give some strong, almost not strong, almost terrified like I would be, you know, like what am I going to do with this piece of not even canvas, separating me. So first lesson, don't go camping where there's lions, okay? Two, you only know that because you know that lions are there, all right? So you're warned. Now, thankfully, here in Talbot County, we don't have to worry about camping as far as worrying about tigers and lions, maybe a few bears. It has happened. It has happened, but uh, we don't really have to worry about those kind of bears, but so there's a lion that's, that's going around. He's roaring. I am not going to be equipped to fight that thing unless I am armed to my teeth, and then I'm, I'm 50-50, right? So they're in there. They're camping, and, and if you watch the whole thing, it just builds, and it's just terrifying to think that all you have is that door, and it's like when that guy comes out and he thinks that he doesn't see it, it's like the lion goes, oh, that's where you go in at, you know, and so that's just how it repeats in, but when you know there's a lion there, you do something. So scripture is saying here, it's like there is a lion, there is an enemy around, roaring. He's letting you know he's there, seeking to devour you. Now on my personal note, I don't have a lion story, but I have a story about a bat. So I live on, my wife and I's bedroom is on the third floor. We've redone this attic. 
And in the summer, I started hearing noises. And, you know, it's like, ah, oh, maybe there's a bird or something like that and everything, and I was fine. And uh, all of a sudden, I flicked the light on, and this bat flew right over my head back and forth. And I was terrified. Now, I'm not scared of bats per se, but I don't like the idea of them landing on my head in bed. All right, let me just be frank about it. I am not a fan of that. I love bats. Don't hurt bats. Let them go. Let them eat the mosquitoes. They are a great, um, th- great for the environment. I'm not giving bats a bad name. But I will tell you that it was summertime, and I was so nerved up, I tried to turn the lights on and see where it was, and I finally found a fishing net, right? And so imagine me by my bed, laying down, sweating because I'm covered up because I don't want this thing to lay on me with my eye out trying to cover my hair because you hear these stories, right? They're getting caught in your hair and then they accidentally bite you. So I'm there and I'm, I turn the light on and I'm just gonna let you know I never caught the bat. But I went through measures to make sure that there wouldn't be another bat there. And so we worked on just sort of sealing the whole thing up. And so what I mean to say is I didn't just sit there and do nothing. Oh, there's a bat in my room no problem, right? I did something about it. So here in scripture, we're being told that we should be ready to do something about it. And so today's topic would be anxiety and worry that we're going to exchange for peace. Our anxiety, our worry, whatever it is that we are going to exchange for peace. So I'm going to make a few statements and it's going to let it apply to you if it applies. If not, just let it roll off your back. For some, worry and anxiety is the friend that shows up faithfully every time. Worrying anxiety is a chosen pal and a comrade that we have been comforted with for all of our life that when we go there, it shows up every time. It's our lifelong friend that when it comes, like for me, it's more anger, like lifelong friend, right? But for some of us, we struggle with anxiety. And it becomes a friend. We become familiar with it. It sleeps in the bed with us. It's just there. Some people love this and are used to it, and they don't love it. They don't know they love it, but they're so familiar with it because it is consistent. You might be worried and anxious about your job, You might be worried and anxious about paying the bills. You might be worried and anxious about a million different things. But in these verses, he says in verse seven, casting all of your anxieties on him. And it's a novel verse to say, and I wanna break it down because it has a before and after thing to it. But we are under attack by the enemy when he creates anxiety that we feed and we dwell in there instead of casting our burdens on him. And so some of us might use that coffee cup or church uh, t-shirt verse thing that says, cast all your anxieties on him. And it sounds novel. Oh, I'm just gonna cast your anxieties on him. But remember, these words were written by Peter. Let's, Let's just think about Peter a little bit. Peter was the man who said at the table that I am not, if all else 
uh, give way to you that I will stand. I will not fall away. I, I, I. That was Peter. Peter was when Jesus is in the garden and the soldiers are going to come and they, they want to take Jesus. Jesus was all right with everything. He was, he was already spent time with his father. He was good. And Peter draws out his sword and he stands in front of Jesus as if Jesus needed him and went and cut off the guard's ear. Peter was the one who fled at the cross. Peter was the one who denied Jesus and they heard the rooster crow. Peter was the one who was chastised by Jesus yet brought back when he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Peter had to deal with an enormous amount of anxiety based on the fact of all that he did wrong. Peter was the one who got out of the boat with all faith, looking to Jesus, went out, all of a sudden took his eyes off Jesus and went down. This is Peter. So Peter is telling us and he's giving us an equation. He is saying that we are under attack and anxiety is one of the attacks that the enemy uses against us. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but all of us have dealt with anxiety, but some of us deal with it more than others. Anxiety can crush you. Anxiety comes from inside and from outside. So let me, let me break that a little bit. If it's coming from the outside, let's just say if you get a bad medical report, you know, that is an outside thing that you can't control. You know, if you didn't get a raise you were expecting, that is an outside thing you can't control. If, you know, someone got in a car accident, that's an outside thing you can't control. But inside, inside, we can create anxiety and it becomes our friend and it builds and it grows inside of us and it begins to drive us. If you think about that lion, there's an attack going on and many of us, instead of using the scripture and our relationship with God, have continued to camp in that flimsy tent and just hope that we can shake it and hope that it can work out. Pride, let me go back to verse five. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we see pride. What is the middle letter in pride? I, okay? Pride, I. 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 I can't believe that someone did that. I don't know if I'm strong enough to do this. I failed all the time. I'm probably going to fail again. I am the one that's always faithful. They are always not. I, 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 and this pride comes up, and it, you're feeding it like a monster inside. I, 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 I. So the verse in the beginning, it's saying, resist, clothe yourselves with humility because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So that is a prerequisite. Prereq. Be humble. Exchange the pride for humility. 
I am not smart enough, God, but you have made me and you have given me all that I need in his riches according to Christ Jesus. So God, I might not be strong enough, but you certainly are. God, I can't handle what you've dealt me, but I know that you can handle it. God, I am sorry that I've been such a prideful person. God, would you humble me and allow me to change? But sometimes, statement number two is that we trust people and specifically ourselves more than we trust God. We think that the way we've done it has always worked. We think that we can gut through it and that my, I'm not really dealing with pride, I'm just an anxious person. I'm just worried all the time, it's just how I am. But that is not the promise of the scripture. If we can deal with the Sermon on the Mount things about anger and lust and all these things and anxiousness, then they're saying here that there is an answer for us. And the first thing is to get rid of pride, the I in pride. What is the middle letter in anxiety? I. That was hard for some of you. I watched a blank stare. (laughs) He's asking a question, I don't know. I'm gonna start writing it down and figure it out. The preface, I believe the preface to anxiety is pride. The prelude to anxiety is pride. This is a hard one to convince people of. R.C. Sproul talked about one time where this lady came up after church and she said, Dr. Sproul, I really suffer from the fact that I don't think God has forgiven me. And he looked at her and he said, "Uh, ma'am, we know these verses about, you know, that God, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Yes, yes, yes. And you know that Jesus said, for God loved so loved the world, he gave his only son. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you know that your attorney is secure in heaven. Yes, yes, yes. He said, lady, your problem isn't unforgiveness, it's pride. Because she didn't believe God. She believed herself more than she believed God and his word. So pride is the root that yields the fruit of anxiety. Not in all cases, this isn't a blanket thing, but I'm saying, I would say, and it's not researched by me, but the, re, the majority of people, pride re, re, gives is the root that yields the fruit of anxiety. It's either God, I'm strong enough, or God, woe with me, I'm not strong enough, and I'm just gonna do it my way. I, I used to say the old white snake song, here I go again on my own, because I'm the only person I can trust. I'm the only person that's gonna get this done because everyone else is gonna fail. Does that relate to anybody? Just a little? I, 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 I. I am the most consistent. I am the smartest. I am this or I am the dumbest. I, God didn't give me much. I, I, I. There's a pride there because God said that he has blessed you with all the riches according to Christ Jesus. Everything. 
So we're saying to God, the creator of heaven, if you believe that Jesus was God and that God, was, God created the earth and he created you, that we're saying, God, you were right maybe for them, but not for me. Because either I'm a little bit brighter or a little bit dumber than you could have prepared for. When I turned in a writing assignment one time, I felt like the dumbest person on the planet. I, I went in with penance with my head bowed low. And my teacher, who has been a teacher for 50 years, she looked at me on a Zoom call and she said, Eric, God will bring you through this if you put your trust in him. You need to quit saying how bad of a writer you are. Yes, you need improvement, but you need to walk in victory of this and be faithful to do it. She just slapped me upside the head. It's easier for me to go, hey, I'm not good at this. Let me just slide by. And God, you're okay with that, right? And I got away with it a few times. Then it is to go, God, you've brought me here. You want me to do it. I'm gonna trust you in it. The center of your anxiety, the I in us, is pride. It's I. Statement three. I wanna encourage you this morning to get out of the corner. Never be cornered. Get out of the corner and never be cornered. You ever seen a prize, the fighters, when they get in the corner? There was a UFC fighter that recently said that before he went out on the ring, he was going to fake an injury because he was terrified of the fight. He got on, on the, he won the fight. And he said, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. And everyone was just, they didn't know what to do because usually it's like a type A society, right? Where I killed them all. Bring them all to me. You know. Bring on the next fight. You know, they're calling out people that, that, that would kill them. This guy got up there and said, I'm going to tell you all the truth. You're not used to hearing the truth. I was terrified before this match. I thought long and hard about faking an injury so that I could get out of it. I think maybe for far too long, some of us haven't even gotten into the corner to get out of the corner to fight. And maybe we're just sitting on the bench hoping the bell doesn't ring because we're legitimately terrified and we feel like we're all alone. You're not alone. Any man or woman that I have talked to and had a legitimate conversation with have told me multiple times how scared they've been at certain things, how anxious they've been, how angry they've been. You are not alone. You are not alone. But you gotta get out of the corner. You gotta get out of the corner. In essence, I'm saying you gotta fight. Now here are the rules. Verse five. Clothe yourselves, all of you. Listen to what he says. All of you with humility. Then what? So let's think about Peter. Peter's saying this. He says, cast all your anxieties on him. Now, if you're a fisherman and most of us here, we would think of casting like this. 
right? We're gonna cast something. In those days, it was a big, heavy net that they would have to throw over. It was manual work. It wasn't like sitting on the back of a trolling boat and having to wind something in because there's a fish on the other end. It's not that. It is huge work throwing the net over. And Peter was the one who fished all night, did it his way, came back, defeated, and Jesus said, go back out. Go back out and throw the net on the other side. Now think about that. Now Peter was a good fisherman. I gotta believe he was a good fisherman. He probably knew where the fish were running, when they bit, when they didn't bit, all that stuff. And here is King Jesus telling them, I want you to cast it to the other side. And so I wanna, I wanna leave this parallel with you in your head. You have a net of anxiety that you've been casting on one side of the boat. You've been so comfortable with it. Here it is, here it is, my good old friend. You know, and you hug it and you warm up to it and you're comfortable with it. And it grips you and you know it's there and you want it to be gone, I know you want it to be gone. But the way you've been doing it has not been working. Because maybe you've been casting in prayer and you've been going, okay, I'm gonna throw on the other side, but the other side of that is humility. The other side of that is getting off of the eye of pride. The other side of that is trusting King Jesus, not yourself. And then when that happens, then you take the net of prayer and you cast it. And you cast it all. It is a command to humble yourself in these verses. It is not a, a request. It is not an encouraging word that maybe you take or you don't. It's saying, humble yourself. And then you do what? You cast all your anxieties. You don't just cast your anxieties. You humble yourself first. It is the root. The humbleness is the root that creates the fruit of peace. But you trust him and you go, okay, God, you're God, I'm not. This didn't work how I wanted, but God, I'm gonna trust you. And you go, I, I'm here, I'm waiting. And then he says, cast that net on the other side. Throw all your anxieties in it on the other side. What do we see when Peter was coming out of the boat and he went down. Remember, he looked down, he was walking on water and he looked down and said, Jesus did what? He reached out his, he reached out his hand. This terminology is not to be confused with just a simple thing. It is talking Old Testament terminology of the mighty hand of God. The hand of God that is is there, that is faithful, that is ready to rescue you. And when Peter looked up, he looked to Jesus and his, God's hand was there. So there's four things I want you to just, maybe just write down that is a promise for you about God's hands. Four words, four Ps. I stand corrected, three. First off is the mighty hand of God will give you a plan. He will give you a plan. He 
he has a plan for you. And, it, and don't be mistaken, the plan isn't for everything to go peachy and everything to work out the way you think it should be, but God has a plan for your maturing. And God has a plan that bad things are going to come to you like they did with Joseph because it's going to reveal your need. It's going to reveal your pride. And until that pride is cut away, I think those obstacles are going to always be there. Always going to be there. So he has a plan. And second, he has provision. He has provision. God has a provision for your anxiety to give you peace. Your provision is to humble yourself. Take the eye out of pride. Take the eye out of anxiety and exchange it for peace. The provision is humility. And then he will give you peace. That's his plan and provision. And lastly, protection. You and I can't fight the lion on our own. Imagine me coming outside that tent and roaring at that thing. Roar! I think that big lion's gonna look to the uh, other line and go, you take care of my light work. And I think we do that with Satan sometimes or we just, we minimalize the, the presence. Like, that fear I can get. I'm in that tent and my kids are in the other tent. Can you imagine a fear? I mean, I'd be praying to, I mean, I'd sadly, I'd pray to Glock first. My mind would go to Glock before it would go to God. But then if Glock isn't there, God is there, right? I mean, my first mind should be God. But I would be terrified. Terrified. We should be terrified that when this anxiety is brought up and this pride is revealed, that Satan is winning the battle. He's won. If we give into it, if it's our trusty friend, he's won that. But God has promised that if you humble yourself, his hand will protect you. He'll protect you. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Does everyone want peace? Do we want to exchange? Do we want to have a gift exchange? Let's all be honest. I want it. If we follow God's plan and trust his hand, our fear of today will turn into a testimony tomorrow. That's good stuff. We shouldn't be fearful of that. I, I, I love the fact that I can go to people and tell them how messed up I am and how good God is. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to say I met a guy at work at two in the morning and we're talking. This guy, I haven't seen him since Todd and I played basketball with him at the Y. Um, and he remembers that. And I just tell him, yeah, I remember when I was dunking over you and everything. And just, uh, but, you know, I was telling him that and it's all of a sudden he opened up a conversation, not fixed. And he looked at me and he said, there's things I can't go back to in my head. I said, I know. I said, but they will rise to the top. And he wants to have a conversation. It's a testimony for me at this point. 
Look what God did, not what I did. It is a testimony. God brought me from this into this. He's brought so many of you. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I could just go down the rows and talk about what I've seen you go through and how God has brought you through it. So right now, all that anxiousness you might have, God's saying, humble yourself, take the pride out, give it to me, cast it, and I'm going to give you a testimony that Christ will be glorified and you'll be satisfied. Would you please stand as we go to pray? There is another acknowledgement of a line in Scripture. It is the line of the tribe of Judah. Spoken of that... Jesus came as a lamb, but he's returning. He's coming, as we said in before, as a lion. There is a holy fear that we have to have. A reverent fear. This morning, if you are saved and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, I don't care what church you go to, we're inviting you to communion. We're inviting you for a time of transaction, of saying, God, I want to humble myself and I want to cast my anxiety because I want to walk in a manner worthy. Jesus, give me a testimony. I don't think that's wrong to ask. Is that wrong to ask? God, give me a testimony. Whatever your struggle right is right now, you name it, not, you name it to Jesus and say, give me a testimony about this because I can't handle it. Just give me a testimony and write it down. Let's pray. God, as we come to the table, Lord, we just wanna just thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. God, that you have saved us and brought us into the family of God. God, that you have trusted us with your word, that you have given us the, the lifeblood, that we can have victory over our anxiety and our worry, and God, that we can exchange it for peace. So God, we come to the table boldly now because of Jesus of the work that he did, and we come trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen.